beautiful game is packed with many icons, but few will ever forget the name Mido. He was the first Egyptian superstar in Europe, and at his best, Mido was a match winner who could take the world on. So good, in fact, that he kept Zlatan Ibrahimovic out of the Ajax starting 11. Mido onside and equalizes! Charlton momentarily stood and watched, and Mido took advantage. We caught up with the man Ajax fans still hail as the King of Cairo to speak about life, coaching, Mo Salah, and something that often doesn't get discussed the dangers of playing top flight football while fasting. This week, On The Whistle speaks to the one and only Mido. So in this episode of On The Whistle, we have Ahmed Hossam Hussein Abdil Hamid. How, how, have I got that right? Yes, you've done well, you've done well. It's not an easy name, but Mido is much easier, isn't it? Mido. How did you get the nickname Mido? You know, uh, my coach when I was, uh, when I was little, when I was, uh, was a kid, his, his son's name was, uh, was, uh, was Mido. And he, he, he always thought that I, uh, I looked like his son, so he called me Mido. But you know, it's a, it's a it's usual name in Egypt for anyone who's called Ahmad or Muhammad. He always the nickname is Mido. So it's stuck by me. I, I put it on my back when I, when, I, when I got older and I played the professional football. And since, uh, since then, I'm Mido. I love it. My name is Zain Nabi. So Nabi, popular name in Egypt? Yes. Nabi and Abdel Nabi. Yeah. <laughs> cool. We'll get the interview starting properly now. Mido, you've had the pleasure of playing in seven different countries. If I could put you back in a time machine now, which team would you go back to to play for for one more season? Uh, Tottenham and Ajax. I will go back to Tottenham and Ajax. There are the, the, the two places that I would love to, to get back to. I mean, Ajax is a great, great club with the, with the, all the, the the legacy at the, at the club and and the culture and the history, of course, uh, and and also Tottenham. I love Tottenham, so it's Tottenham and Ajax. You came over to Europe as a teenager. What was that experience like when you moved from Egyptian giant Zamalek to Ghent in Belgium? It wasn't easy because uh, you know, as a young kid. Uh, 16 years of old and to, to, to leave my family and my friends and my country and, and, and to go to a country, I mean Belgium is a beautiful place but totally different culture and different people, different thinkings and, and so it wasn't easy for me to leave my family, especially my family. Um, I was very close to my mom and dad uh, so it was very difficult. But you know what helps you the most when, uh, when, when, when you go to a different place in football is if you go to some place and do well. If you do well and you start to score goals and you start and uh, and and you start having people around you, uh, they, they, it always makes things uh, much uh, easier. And I was very lucky that uh, my dad has decided to, to travel with me most of the time and to, to spend time with me. And uh, that made my life much easier, of course. When you look back at the, your early time in Ghent and Belgium, what was it that surprised you the most? Was it the weather? Was it the food? Was it the language? 
What was it that you, you found the hardest to, to get your head around? Yeah, no, the language, no, because, uh, you know, everyone speaks English in, uh, in Belgium. And, uh, and um, it's, uh, it's the way of playing. It was very, very aggressive. I mean, in Belgium, they have some great talents, some very good talents, but they're all aggressive. They're all like, even uh, every day in the training, they, 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 they tackle each other. And when I saw the people having flying tackles there in training every day, I was like, oh my God, I've never seen anything like it. But luckily, luckily enough, um, I was very strong. And even when I was 16 and 17, I always had a strong body and, and, and strong legs. So I never mind the tackle. I never, I never mind. I never mind someone hitting me, as long as he has the good purpose, of course, and he's going for the ball. But um, this is what surprised me the most. Um, the, the, the league is a very good league to to start as a young kid because in Belgium, the, if you're good enough, they always give you a good opportunity. They give you opportunity to shine and to do well, and um, it's it's one of the best countries for young players to come to. And I always advise young players to, to, if they have the chance to go to Belgium, uh, they go to Belgium, and 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 they should go to Belgium. I mean, it's it's a, it's a good step to come from Egypt to play in Belgium. Different football. You have to be strong. You have to be mentally strong as well. But it's it's you can succeed if you're good enough. If I'm correct, you had a very good relationship with your coach at Belgium. Did he take you under his wing when you were out there? You know, Patrick Remy, when he came over, he was a French guy, French coach. He, he took a very good care of me. And um, he changed my position straight away. He played me as a striker. We played with two strikers, and it made my life much easier because I've been always a striker. And sometimes at the beginning of the season, they used to play me on the flanks, they play me in the, in the, in the, in the in midfield on the left. And it's not my it's not my position. I struggled a little bit there, to be honest. But once I played striker, I started to hit the goals in, and my life has become much easier. So Patrick Remy was one of the people who helped, who helped me a lot when I was in Belgium. Milo, you've had the pleasure of taking to the field with many legends. Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Francesco Totti, Didier Drogba, and lots of other players. Yes. When you look back at your career, who was the player you enjoyed playing with the most? Robbie Keane. I really enjoyed play, do, playing with Robbie Keane. Uh, I mean, of course, Zlatan, big, big player, Drogba, big striker. Uh, uh, Totti, of course, great player, but uh, Robbie Keane is very—he's very clever, and uh, he plays more for the team. And I, this is this is what I liked about Robbie Keane—that he always fought for the team and he always played for the team, and he's such a great character around in the dressing room. And till now, we're very good friends. We always talk. Sometimes he comes over to Egypt, and um, yeah, Kino is is a legend, top top man, and and a very 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 good player. Tell us something we don't know about Robbie Keane that, that you know as, as a club man, a teammate, a friend. Tell us, tell us, give us some insight into maybe something you guys enjoy doing together or just a side that people haven't seen of him. No, he's, he's, I think everyone knows that he, he's got a good heart. Always help the young boys, always help. He helped me a lot when I came to, to England on and off the pitch. Um, Kino is a, he's a humble guy. He's a, he's a family man. He's a, he's a, he's a guy... He's, he's a guy that you, you would always love to, to hang around. Uh, and he had a big influence on, on everybody in, in the dressing room at Tottenham. And I think everywhere he's played, he's been loved by everyone at the club. And he's a legend, one of the best players I ever played with. 
So that leads nicely on because you've spoken about your favorite player. Who would you say was the best player you ever played with? Uh, I would say Totti. Totti is a different class than anyone else. He, I mean, if this guy like wanted to play in the biggest clubs, of course, in 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 Europe, he would have played anywhere, and and he would have made uh, a different career club-wise. I mean, I mean, with Italy, of course, he won the World Cup, and 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 and, and of course, he's done what he had to do with Italy. But I mean, uh, his loyalty to Roma. Uh, is something that I'm sure that he would never regret. But uh, if he left Roma, maybe he would have won the Champions League three or four times, and maybe he would have won, the, won different leagues. He ended up winning only one league. But uh, as they say in Italy, one league with Roma is like 20 with any other club, because it's a very difficult place. It's not easy. But uh, he's, 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 he's definitely the best player that I ever played with. Do you think you'll get players like Totti in the modern game? One guy who sticks with one club. We sort with him. We sort with gigs. But but those are outliers, aren't they, in, in, in the game that, that we play? Not easy. Uh, not easy for anyone to repeat uh, what uh, Maldini and Giggs and, and, and Maldini and Giggs and, and, and uh, Totti, of course, and them players playing for one club for 20 years. Not easy. Uh, Girard... Steven Gerrard also had the chance to go to, to to Chelsea with much, much more money that he used to earn at Liverpool and decided to stay at his beloved club. I mean, I mean the mentality of players now are changing. I mean, don't get me wrong, still a lot of very, very nice boys are out there around. But uh, I don't think it will happen. It will happen very easily. There are people who will be listening out there going, Totti is amazing, but they might be surprised that you didn't pick Zlatan as the best player you've ever played with. Now, I know there's an interesting relationship there. There was the altercation at Ajax, but you guys were very, very good friends. And Zlatan is a top player. I mean, I mean, yeah, I chose Totti because Totti is different. He's a different player. Um, and, you know, um, when I was at Ajax, I didn't play much with Zlatan. Because you kept him up the team. Yes, I was playing. I was playing most of the time, and sometimes we played together when we had to play with two strikers. But you know the Ajax system is only one striker. It's a four. It's, it's it's three up front, one striker, one number nine, and and uh, yeah, w w most of the time back then I was playing. I mean, of course, Zlatan when he when when like he ended up having much better career, a much longer career, and and it all comes back to his mentality. He's been always very strong mentally, and much stronger than than us. And that's what kept him going all these uh, years. But uh, I wasn't lucky enough to play with, with Zlatan much at the Ajax. You didn't get to play with him much at Ajax, as you've explained. But one of the stories I was reading is that you and him used to hang out and go drag racing on the outskirts of Amsterdam. Is that true? And, and, and what else did you guys enjoy doing in your social time? It seemed like you guys were really, really good friends. Yeah, we were. Uh, we still are. Zlatan is a... Is also a man with a big heart and a very good man. I mean, sometimes people get the wrong impression about him because, you know, the way the way he carries himself uh, himself out and the way he <laughs> he presents himself. But that's his character. But he but he what people doesn't know what what people don't know about uh, about uh, Zlatan that he he's he's a top top man and he's been very good to his family. He's been very good to his close friends. He he never changed as a person because you know. Some people, you know, when they get all the, 
the fame and they get all the money and they get all the, you know, the, all what he's been having all over the years, a lot of people change. And Zlatan never changed. Zlatan has been the same, always the same character, always the same person since he was 16, 17, since I ever knew him. Until now, when we get the chance to to, to speak, he's been he's, he's he's the same person, the same the same guy that I knew when I was when, when I was a little kid. So that's great of him, isn't it? Because I've seen so many people that have achieved much less, much much less than Zlatan, and they've changed. And this is really bad when people change on their friends. And on and on the, I mean, yeah, of course we know that in, in life people get busy and with other things and that. But when people change, uh, you know that they don't have, um, um, they don't, they, they, they haven't been raised right, mm. if you could say that. But uh, Zlatan is, is, is a top, top man. Do you think you guys connected because you were both outsiders at Ajax? Yeah, and we, we were both, we both had strong characters. Uh, of course, I was m much, much more crazy than him. I was much crazier than him. Zlatan, he seems crazy, but he's not. He's, he's, he reached to a certain phase with, where he would pull back and stop and doesn't make any... I was much crazier than him. And, uh, and yeah, if we come from, you know, we come from different places, but, but um, maybe, maybe similar background. That's why we were very close friends. He's a street boy, I was a street boy, um, and I believe street boys always get connected because even even that he was raised up in Sweden and I'm in Egypt, but we still we were both street boys. We played a lot of football in the street. We 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 hanged around with the with the with the with the, with the street people, and, and and this is what made us close. Final question on the big Latin: Are you surprised he's still playing football in a top European league? Are you? Does, does that surprise you? He's had such longevity in his career. Uh, to be honest, I'm not surprised. I always thought Zlatan would play for many, many years. Uh, he's been always a top professional. Take uh, very good care of his body. Um, uh, doesn't drink much. Doesn't smoke. Doesn't uh, doesn't go out a lot. Uh, he's been always with his family. And uh, these these are the guys that. Uh, that they end up playing much more years than the other guys. So, um, to be honest, I'm not surprised. Bringing it back to you, uh, Mido, I want to read you a quote. In Egypt, he is treated like a god. That's what your former Ajax manager, Ronald Koeman, said. Can you explain to listeners out there what it felt like when you were in your prime and there was all that expectation on you from the Pharaoh supporters? It was great, great to have everyone following me, of course. And but it wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't the same as now. We never had the social media. We never had, like, I mean, I remember, we're, we're like, I, I had to wait uh, 48 hours to watch my goals online. Like, if I scored a goal at Ajax, I mean, I mean, I had to wait for for like for 48 hours to 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 watch the goal, and uh, for I mean, for the people back in Egypt to watch it. But I I was very lucky, that, uh, lucky that. Uh, People, uh, people in, back in Egypt, they were very proud to to have one of their own playing at a big, big club like Ajax. And I remember, every, like uh, almost everyone, they were waiting for the results of uh, of the Ajax games. Especially we were, you know, we were fighting for the, to become champion of Holland, and 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 to 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 win the league and uh, to have one of their own. Uh, 
getting offers from big club in Europe and that they never seen that before. They never, you know, now now Salah is, is 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 different, but before I remember when 2001 and 2002 for all Egyptians they were like, ah, oh, we have one of our own, an 18 years old kid who is who's who's got everyone talking about him. He has an offer from AC Milan, he has an offer from Roma, he has an offer from Real Madrid. So, for for Egyptians, they they they, I think they were very proud, and I w I was I was very lucky to live the dream, uh, and to make. Uh, my people and to make the Egyptians proud one day uh, back in the day I was and, and I've been very lucky to be honest they say that you stand on the shoulders of giants and I think for Mohammed Salah that's a little bit about his career when he came in you had paved the way before so he could take the next generation forward if you could offer him any advice of how to handle that weight of expectation as the main man for Egypt, what would you tell him from your experience? Um, I would honestly tell him, don't think much about they say about you back in Egypt. Because, uh, you know, um, there's a little bit of conflict, if you could say that. Uh, I mean, Salah, is, uh, he, uh, he's, done, he's done great for the country and he's done great for the national team uh, making sure he's always there for the team and and scoring some very important goals, you know, getting issued back into the World Cup after so many years, and um, yeah, he's he's done great. But you know, uh, some you know, sometimes you need to focus on your career here in Europe and not listen much about they say uh, they say about you back in Egypt. And I think that's what he's been doing lately. Before he was much more affected with what people say about him back, you know, with the social media and that. Now he's more focused in his career with Liverpool. And I mean, don't take me wrong. I'm not, I'm not saying that uh, he shouldn't get back and play for the national team or anything. No, he should always make sure that to be, to be there with the national team, help the national team, put 100% in for the national team. But not more than that. Like, d my advice to him would be like, don't get yourself busy with with all the problems that could stop you from progressing and from developing and from keep playing at the top level. Because I believe that each, every one of us has certain capacity um, of, 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 how could you say that, of, from his brain working towards something. You know what I mean? And if, and if you keep 25%, 30% of, of, of your brain capacity, thinking about what's, what's happening back in Egypt and the problems, uh, the problems to the problems over there, maybe it will affect him a little bit. And maybe, maybe sometimes this was one of the mistakes that I've done, that I was worried so much about the future of Egyptian football, and and uh, sometimes that that. Got me out of focus. Got me out, got me out of, of 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 what I had to do here in in my career in Europe. So my advice: focus on what you're doing here, on your success here, and when your success here, everyone will, will be will be will be chasing you back in Egypt. I think that's such sound advice because there's only so many things you can control, and you can control how you're training, how you focus on yes. games, and. If you shut out the noise on the outside, it just helps you be a better person and a better player. One of the things that I'm sure every Egyptian fan will be hoping is that Mohamed Salah can one day become maybe the first Egyptian and North African to win the Ballon d'Or or be the FIFA best player of the year. Do you think he has that capacity? Do you think he could go on to be the world's best player, 
maybe one day when Messi and Ronaldo are no more? Yeah, I can't see. I can't see maybe anyone else. Um, I, I mean, uh, some people thought Neymar would be the next one, but uh, it's it's not. Maybe it's not the case anymore. Um, maybe Salah will have it. Will take it one day. But just being there in the top three and top four, um, it's it's uh, he just make us proud. And and if if the th if he's the third best uh, <laughs> the best player in the world, we're still happy. We're still proud of him. So if he can go and be the best player in the world, of course we'll be much happier. But we're still proud of him. Last season in the Premier League, you had Salah, you had Mane, you had Aubameyang, all tie as the top goal scorers in the competition. When you look at that, does that excite you about the talent that's coming out of the continent at the moment? I mean, African players has been always great, always top talents. I mean, you look back at players like Milan, Okusha, and Okusha, and, and players, they had great, great talent. And um, now, with the, with the, with, you know, I think now the, the African boys are more professional. A little bit, I don't, I mean, now they're taking to the African players to the next level, I think, and and uh, some of the boys now are changing the 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 picture for 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 for, for African players. Sometimes now, sometimes you know, uh, people thought like uh, African players, they, you know, they're not uh, their attitude a little bit. They're not hundred percent focused. Uh, they have to leave in the middle of the season to go back to play the African Cup of Nations. Blah, blah, blah. Maybe we don't sign them if we had the chance to sign someone else. Now. The people are changing their minds, and it all comes back to the boys. You know, like five, six years ago, they started to change the way people look at African uh, players. Now, them boys are like top professionals. Uh, they keep themselves fit. Uh, they train properly. They live properly for the for the football. They eat properly. They sleep well. All of them things uh, made uh, the Europeans, especially the Europeans, look differently to to, to the to the African boys. And it all comes back to 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 them boys. So, to the last season to have three players who are top scorers of of the, of the Premier League, uh, three African boys, it's such an honor. It's a uh, now people are looking different to African boys. Mina, we've spoken about Salah. We've spoken about that Egyptian national team. You've been involved in coaching for the last few seasons. Would you love to see yourself maybe coaching the national team one day? Yes, I was. Uh, I was very close of, uh, of maybe getting the job in the last six or seven months. Uh, I'm still young, uh, 37 years of age. Um, I'm still learning a lot of things. And of course, one of my, one of my dreams is to manage the national team one day. Uh, but it has to be in the right, in the right uh, timing. Uh, coaching in the Middle East is, is not easy. Uh, because most of the clubs, they don't have, they don't have real plans. Or they sit with you and talk about plans and they change their minds once they have a couple of bad results, which is okay. It happens in Europe sometimes, but in the Middle East, it's, it's like it's getting crazy. I mean, some managers are getting the sack after losing a couple of games. And coaches are not magicians. <laughs> Even the top coaches in Europe, they need time. I mean, Guardiola, when he goes to any place, he says, yeah, the first season, I have to 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 build my team. I have to to have the right platform to to to, to and the right the right platform to, to 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 work for the next seasons. And and uh, this is you're talking here about Guardiola, and you're talking about open open budget. You're talking about Manchester City. You're talking about Bayern Munich. You're talking, 
and uh, so imagine for, for 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 us young coaches having to work with players with different qualities uh, and much less qualities of course and it's so it's it's a much much more difficult job so uh, not easy my dream is to come to europe also to to come and to manage one of the clubs that i played for in europe it's not an easy task but i will always keep fighting for it i've got a question here from one of our listeners and just to um be very upfront with this. This is from Alex in South Africa. Alex also happens to be my father, for full disclosure. And <laughs> Alex is a huge Spurs fan. So his question is this. Do you have any long-term ambitions to coach in the Premier League? Yeah, I would love to. One day, this is what I was just saying. Uh, my greetings to your dad, of course. Um, um, yeah, my dream is to come to, to manage in the Premier League one day. Uh, and... Now uh, I'm, I'm working on my coaching badges in Wales and um, I'm hoping to have the pro uh, very soon and have the, 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 the license to, to be able to work in the, in, the, in the top level. But it's not only about the ba coaching badges, it's also about getting the right experience and having enough experience to come to work in a, in a, in a top, uh, top level. Maybe I would have to, to come to work as an assistant for one of the big managers for a couple of years mm -hmm. to get the right experience. It's, uh, it's my dream. I mean, if you look at someone like Colo Torre at Leicester, is that something you could see yourself yes. doing, doing an apprenticeship like he's doing under Brendan Rodgers? Yes, I think this is one of the roles that I could be playing under a big manager one day, uh, especially that I speak three or four different languages. I know how to deal with the young boys. I know how to deal with players coming from, from different places, places in the world. And um, I think um, it could be a great advantage for me. Um, now I'm looking. I'm not looking for it. I'm, I haven't had the chance to talk to anyone, but uh, if I have the chance to to to, to work with a big, under a big manager for a couple of years, I will I will be happy to do it. And we certainly would love to see you get that opportunity. And you talk about some of the insight that you would have that someone in England or Europe wouldn't particularly have insight on. And when we look at fasting and how that affects Muslim players, that's something I've seen you take to social media before about. And I just want to read back one of your tweets. We don't need to see someone dying first before we do something about it. Please stop players from playing while they're fasting, especially at this level. Can I ask you, wh why did you post that message? Because uh, I've seen a couple of players at Ajax uh, playing in, I think, semi-final Champions League game while they were fasting and the game was, I think, seven o'clock. So they haven't had any food in their body for maybe maybe more than 14 or 15 hours and um, I thought this is very dangerous and uh, to play with it with a, I mean of course I mean I fast myself and I I mean don't get me wrong um, I understand where these boys are coming from that they they, 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 they they want to make sure that they're doing the right things towards uh, towards God and towards Allah and to and towards the family because they, they, they know that there are some kids as well that are looking up to them. But they have to be careful. This is what, uh, what, I, what I'm saying. They have to be careful. Because uh, to play a Champions League game or a Premier League game and you haven't had anything, any water, anything into your body for 15 or 16 hours, this is like uh, very difficult, very difficult. And I say that out of... Um, uh, worrying about them boys, uh, about the boys. I'm, I'm, I mean, I worry. I really worry. I'm really worried that w one day we 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 will we will lose someone because because 
of playing in, with such high tempo, high tempo, and uh, the aggressivity of the game now, without eating anything or drinking anything for 14 or 15 hours, I'm afraid that we will lose someone one day. I mean, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But doctors of clubs uh, at least have to look to, to, to them boys and give them the right advice from a medical point of view. And don't be shy of it. You're not attacking anything uh, towards the religion. You're just giving you your medical and, and your medical point of view that you give your honest opinion about it. And at the end of the day, if the player w want to do it, at least you've said. I mean, it's a very sensitive point. And I prefer this coming from a Muslim person rather than coming from anyone else. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, a lot of doctors and a lot of coaches, um, they are um, worried about their own players, but they can't talk about it. They can't say anything about it because it's a very sensitive point. Uh, and I'm telling them coaches and I'm telling the, the doctors, you have to say to the players and give them the right advice that they shouldn't be fasting, especially if the game is late. The game is late, uh, like just be, yeah, like I see. Some, I see some players they start eating on half time, and uh, it's very difficult. With the with the, with the, with the, with the, the game is changing now. The number of sprints, the 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 the, the tempo that the game is played at, playing being played at. Uh, you need food into your body, and again, I prefer that this would come from uh, from from a Muslim person. Uh, rather than to come from anyone uh, from anyone else. I, I think you've made so many incredibly good points there, being somebody who's fasted yourself and played at the highest level. Would you like to see the football authorities, be that FIFA, be it CAF, be it UEFA, pass a ruling on this? Is that ideally what you'd like to see? Yeah, but how, how are you going to force someone... <laughs> I mean, how are you going to force a, a player to, 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 to eat? I mean, at the end of the day, you can only advise the player. You can, and if he's a very young player, you can always have meetings with his parents, explain to them how dangerous it is. And, and, and at the end of the day, it's his decision and it's the, their decision. You cannot, I don't think the UEFA or the FIFA or anything can do anything about it. So you think there's a duty of care on the part of the clubs? Yes, the coaches and the doctors. And or the nutritionist, if, you, if there is a nutritionist for the club. But I think uh, something has to be done about it. Uh, let's be all glad that uh, nothing wrong has happened to anyone so far. Uh, but uh, we don't want to wait for the day that something wrong happened and then we start moving. It's, it's, it's important to, to, to... And I'm not saying to force players not to fast. I'm saying you have to give them the right advice. And maybe if the if the uh, um, insist on fasting, give them the right uh, supplement and the right thing, the, the right food that they need to eat. Maybe before they they start fasting, Th something. And I'm telling you, I'm I'm sitting here with you, and I'm sure some of the doctors and coaches are scared of mention, even mentioning it because it's very sensitive. But I'm, I'm, my advice to them, coaches and to the doctors, don't be scared, don't be shy. Tell your opinion and your honest opinion. At the end of the day, if the player wants to fast and to, to play with his fasting, yeah, okay, he plays on his own responsibility. Um, I'll, I'll be honest to you, if I'm a manager at the top level, I would be thinking, I'll be thinking maybe twice to, to, play, to play a player who I know that he hasn't had anything in his body for 12 or 13 hours. I will be worried.
We have a question from Neil Green. He's a fan of Tottenham, and he writes, You and Hossam Khali were the first players I remember at Tottenham where the question of fasting and playing came up. Did you fast on game day, and how did you practice and prepare in that time? I fasted when the game uh, was early. It was an early kickoff. I never had a problem because I only ha- I only I I only had uh, had. Four. But if the game was late, I I didn't fast. And we have a license in the religion in Islam that uh, you can um, postpone, if you could say that the, the the you have the license that after Ramadan is fin- is is finishes that uh, you can fast the day after Ramadan, not the first six days after Ramadan, but after that you can you can fast. So why why not taking this license? I think we've seen Paul Paul Pogba do that in the past, actually. Yes, yes, yes. And I used to do that sometimes. If if if, if I missed one day because I had a game, uh, I would do it after Ramadan. It's a license that God gave us. So why not? Why why not using the license that? Uh, and we have something in the religion that says that God, uh, I mean, God loves when people use His license. Loves when people use his license. I don't know how to say it in English. It's it's very difficult. But the, it, it, we have something like, we have something like that in, the, in in Islam. So why not? Neil's follow-up question is: Were the clubs accommodating in regards to your fasting? I mean, uh, one time Martignol uh, came to me and he, uh, we were playing Liverpool. I remember, and he came to me and he asked. Um, the game was I think four o'clock, and uh, he said to me that please ask Gali not to fast today because it's a, it's a game with a high tempo, we pr- he's playing against Gerard and Alonso and Mascherano maybe in the middle of the park so it won't be easy and I went to Gali and I asked him and he said no, no, I play with my own responsibility and that and he was the the worst player on the pitch <laughs> and he got subbed uh, on half time uh, didn't help him at, at all and uh, and I remember Martin was was, was, uh, was he wasn't happy, he wasn't happy because he yeah, it's it's sensitive for a coach, he cannot, he, he couldn't even ask Gali himself, so you asked me to, to to, to ask him. So, um, yeah, sometimes it happened. What did it feel like to play on that empty stomach without drinking? It's not easy. It's not easy, especially if you have to play with high tempo and if you're playing a big game. And if it's a little bit late, if it's six o'clock and just before the sun goes down, it's, it's, it's not easy. If you, have, if, you, if, you, if you don't have anything in your, your body for more than 10 hours, it's not easy to play at the top level. Mido, thank thank you you for taking the time to catch up with me today. It's been a pleasure and um, I wish you all the best with your coaching and hopefully we see you in a club in Europe at some point. Hopefully, yes. Thank you very much and it was a pleasure to be with you. Lots to think about after that. Do you agree? Should more be done by club doctors to inform players about the risks of fasting while playing? Hit us up at OTW underscore podcast and let us know, both on Twitter and Instagram. Alternatively, you can do the same on our Facebook page, On The Whistle Podcast. This show is raced by from start to finish. Please do leave a rating and comment. I know I ask you every week, but it really does help people find our show. Also, send us your thoughts on topics you'd like us to explore. For now, that's a wrap. Catch you on the pod soon. Bye for now. Masalema.